Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Um, it's it's one of those shows where it's it's noon in my uh, in my time zone, and it's still morning in our guest time zone. Uh, this is Michael hosting another show in the in the Sherm uh, Meet the Blogger Sherm Eighteen Bloggers episode run of episodes that I'm doing. And today's guest is somebody I've known for a while, Stephen Rothenberg. Steve Rothenberg. Sorry, Stephen. How are you today? Welcome to Drive Through. Hey, I'm doing well, Michael. Thank you. Uh, so good, good to have you on the show, and thanks for uh, reaching out to make sure I got you the phone number in time. As I said, my, in one of my various means of trying to reach out to you, I, I feel like I'm living in a just-in-time universe these days. So, um, Stephen, before 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 we start getting into into some uh, some questions about a variety of topics. Uh, for the folks that will be listening to the podcast, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us about your company, Career Recruiter, what you do, that kind of stuff. Sure, no sweat. So I am the, the president and founder of College Recruiter. It's a job search site. Um, our customers are primarily Fortune 1000 companies and federal government agencies that advertise their part-time, seasonal, internship, and entry-level jobs with us. Um, we have been around for quite a long time. I founded sort of the or the original company way back in 1991, and then as the internet more or less came into being in the mid 90s, we kind of morphed from print to to online. Yeah, and you were you were actually a magazine, I guess, in like a published magazine. It, it was a part of your original uh, concept, right? Yeah, exactly. So we had a, um, a magazine. So the very, sort of the, the very first thing that college or the, the company that College Recruiter grew out of did was um, a campus maps for schools like the University of Minnesota. We, um, we distributed them through the school to incoming freshmen. Um, and then in 93, we added um, an employment magazine um, called College Recruiter distributed through the career service offices. Um, mostly larger employers bought advertising in it, and they had the, you know, the typical kinds of articles, you know, how to network, how to write a resume, that that type of thing. Um, by '95, with so within a couple of years, um, we had regionalized versions in four different areas of the country, and it was distributed by I think it was something like 250 different schools, and it was basically a quarterly kind of a magazine. Um, and then I literally walked into one of the career service offices that was distributing it and talking to the director, trying to get some feedback on, uh, you know, what did she like about the magazine? What did she not like about it? Um, and she said to me that there's this thing called the Internet. Um, she'd never been on it, um, or so she thought. And she didn't really know what it was about, but she was hearing from a number of her students that they were using it to get information about upcoming interviews. And um, when we launched our site in November of 96, of the Fortune 500, um, only 50, so about 10%, had websites. Only five had career sections on their websites, and not a single one of them had a searchable database, like, you, like, like an ATS or something other than that. The career site or portion of their website was typically a page, maybe a couple of pages that basically said, hey, we'd love for you to work here. Here are the kinds of positions that we're typically hiring for. 
um, mail or fax us a resume and, you know, to this address or this fax number. Quite different than today. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really interesting um, and, and certainly so much different than today that it almost, you know, sounds like you're, you're making up stories about like when we lived in the caves, we used to draw pictures on the walls. With, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not that bad, but it feels that way sometimes. And that, that's actually been kind of a recurring theme that's coming up through these, these episodes is like, you know, how social media has been around for 10 years and how many people I've met or, you know, have met me and so on. And, and, and like, you really can't think, but um, I, the, the way I got involved in, not in recruiting, but using, um, uh, the computers and and what was actually a very early version of a of a uh, an, an intranet was I worked at Texas Instruments back in the late '80s, and they had hey. they had a they had a globally connected intranet that used ASCII text, uh, you know, and you could log on and you could see TI headline news and you could like message people. I mean, it was and it was it was all it was all very. Uh, it would look kind of like if you were watching 2001 now, you know, it would look like that screen. Every, everything was a blinking <laughs> cursor. But, but when I left there, I went to another company that didn't have all that stuff. And it was, you, you, you could tell it was coming anyway. So it, it was, it was really, it was really quite interesting. And, and, you know, and honestly in 91, 88, 90, I was doing college recruiting. So like at, at TI, I would, I would do two or three trips a year to, to the uh, University of Florida and Michigan State University to recruit electrical engineers and stuff. And they were still paper resumes and appointments made, you know, through, uh, I guess we used email, but you still got handed a, you know, a schedule that was printed out on paper and everybody came in. There, there was very little pre-contact and, and no follow-up through really any kind of email. People still ma mailed thank you letters and that kind of stuff in the 80s so you you came in right at a, at a big a time of huge change i guess um i know there's a couple things i uh i bounce around steven so i one of the things that um you live in minneapolis and minneapolis I, there's there's there always seems to be cities that for some reason um i don't know if they come on my radar or if it just seems like suddenly a group of people but like i've known josh rock for a while but like right now mm -hmm. last week Bischoff, Kate Bischoff, who was at Alta Connect, you know, and then you're, you know, you're, you're on my show this week. There, there seems to be a lot of, a lot of people in Minneapolis doing good work right now. Uh, tell us just a little bit of, I guess, about, because I think you're active in Sherm up there, a little bit about the Minneapolis HR scene and, you know, just, just, you know, kind of what's going on these days or, or, or not, as you're aware of, and then we'll, we'll kind of go back to a couple other things. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I, I'll take absolutely zero credit for it, but I do think you're right. I think that Minneapolis, for whatever the reason, is sort of one of those areas that has a, um, a bit of a louder voice nationwide um, in Sherman and in other recruiting groups um, than you'd think it would, you know, based upon the, the size of the population or whatever. Um, and I would say there are probably at least a couple of reasons for it. Um, one is... Um, we have a disproportionately large number of Fortune 500 companies that are headquartered here. I think it's something like 17, which for the size yeah. of the metro area, roughly, roughly 3 million people, um, you know, I think I remember hearing from somebody like six months ago that a, a typical 3 million person metro area might have like eight Fortune 500 companies. So, you know, we have, call it, you know, more or less double that. That leads to 
um, you know, certainly more senior level, um, very experienced, strategic talent acquisition executives making their home here. Um, and that certainly has some spinoff benefits. From a grassroots perspective, one of the things that happened, um, and I'm thinking it was roughly 2007, 2008, something like that, is that um, Paul DeBennings, um, and, and if you don't, you or the, if your listeners don't follow him, that they should, um, he um, Google Minnesota Headhunter or go on Twitter to at MN, Mother Nancy, Headhunter. Um, Paul and I um, got together with, um, with another uh, Josh Kahn, who was at that time at Best Buy, and we basically got together over a burrito um, at lunch one day, and we had known each other. There was a fairly large, maybe 10, 15, 20 sort of HR, talent acquisition, people who were blogging. Um, and, you know, again, pretty darn early for that. Yeah. And Paul had this vision of what can we do um, to encourage more HR and talent acquisition professionals to blog. Um, and this is kind of pre most of the social media um, that was out there. Um, we kicked around some ideas. Paul took the ball and ran with it. Um, Josh also was very instrumental um, in, in Josh Kahn in, 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 in that. Um, I, I kind of chimed in with my two cents worth, but, but did very little in sort of the active other than just sort of being a cheerleader. But Paul created this whole organization um, that um, sponsored conferences, um, I think something like four times a year, um, companies like Best Buy and General Mills, and I think you know, Health Group and some other organizations would sponsor them in their corporate theaters. And it, and it was not unusual to have over 200 um, corporate and third-party recruiters come out to these um, like all-day sessions and learn about you know, how to effectively use the internet for recruiting, how to use LinkedIn. And, and it was incredibly collaborative. Um, the meetings early on were free. The, the host would basically pop for, you know, coffee and cookies and whatever. Um, over time, it kind of became more of a business. Um, and I think that created this really unusual groundswell here. Um, and now Jason Buss um, has, has taken that over. He's had it for I don't know, maybe three, four years. Um, I think another thing that happens in, in a cold weather climate is it sort of forces people to be more social. Um, if, you know, if, it's, if you're living in a warm climate like you do, most of the year it's pretty easy to just walk outside and see your neighbor. Here, right. half the year, you kind of have to make an effort um, to do that. And um, I think in cold weather climates, you tend to have more cultural opportunities, um, you tend to have more, you know, interesting restaurants and stuff like that because it's just you, you, you're sort of forced to do more things inside. Um, kind of hard yeah. to go biking here in January. Yeah. <laughs> polar, polar bikers don't mind. And then those, the, the polar bear swimmers. But um, I have a conference <laughs> coming up. The organization I run has a conference coming up in Minneapolis in late September. Uh, we're going to be at the Hyatt right there on uh, on the – what is that street? I can't think of the, the what's the street downtown the mall, Nicolette Mall. 
Uh, Nick, yeah, Nicholas Molitor. Yeah, yeah. Pedest- pedestrian yeah. only plus buses, which has never really yeah. made sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's um, so anyway, well, they, they, I used to, I, I mean, I can think of, yeah, Best Buy, Target, Cargill, the Mayo Clinic, Anderson Windows. You, I think you mentioned UHS. I mean, there are a ton of companies up there that are based there, and, and a lot of them are, are very influential. So that that's really that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and that, that that already burned through 13 minutes of our show. Um, I have a story <laughs> I wanted to tell. To talk about connecting, I had a story about you. Yeah, as I said in the, the quick pre-show we had, I've known you for a long time, but I think you're one of those folks that because, because I don't do exactly the same thing that you do. I think our worlds don't bring us together as often as we might like in terms of talking about professional stuff because I haven't done college recruiting personally in a long time, and, and you deal with that. But um, there was a time when I was living in Florida, I don't know, and it might have been as long as eight, seven or eight years ago. Um, I, I, I was on my, my – I was kind of running through the end of my really – prolific blogging period. Uh, I had about a, a really good five-year run. Where I could write any time. And then I was really struggling to write. I posted one day just kind of randomly on Facebook or Twitter. And it was probably Twitter back then about, I'm thinking about shutting my blog down. And, you know, like, and just, you know, musing to the universe. And a, a number of people responded, but you actually – you actually direct messaged me and said, "Hey, don't don't shut your blog down if you don't want to run it anymore. You know, let me know. I'll buy the content from you for a you know a couple hundred bucks or something." And I was like, "What?" Um, anyway, we wound up having a chat on the phone while I was actually managing a, a parking lot protest by by a group that was uh, had some beef with Publix. Um, and <laughs> and your your feedback actually was pretty instrumental. And I, I don't know that I've ever actually shared this part of the story with you. Is that um, you were kind of like, look, you've spent a long time building content, you know, not, you know, and, and it, it, you know, it, people read it, it's important, don't, you know, don't let it go, it still has value, even if you don't want to write anymore, leave it up, you know, host it, and I, I hadn't really thought about, thought about it from that perspective, and so it, it not only prompted me not to close the blog down, but a couple more years, because I was, I was kind of like, wow, I didn't realize I had, you know, I always thought I blogged for myself. So it was, it was kind of a, a little bit of a cool wake up call. So I, I owe you some uh, I owe you some thanks for that, and I'm not sure I ever actually shared that with you. So I wanted to get that story well, in the show. So that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. So it's 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 always nice to to hear that you had a, a positive influence. Although you know, if I if I just caused you to waste more time, my apologies, and I guess I owe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Well, it wasn't really. I mean, um, you know, we kind of sometimes I think we self-deprecate on the work we do on the internet. I know I do a lot. Oh, I'm just on Twitter. I'm a blogger. Um, it, you know, it, we we do. We a lot of people turn out a lot of stuff, and just this, like the story you told about what Paul and Josh and you, you did, I mean that 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 changed. Uh, you know, that changed the biz, the face of a business sector in a lot of ways in that city, and that it's it, it wasn't as easy to do in years past. I think kind of all of the story you started out with about, you know, being a vendor of university maps and, you know, a quarterly publication for career, and then suddenly finding yourself, oh, I need to be on the internet, right? So um, let's, uh, since we have 14 minutes left, let, let's come back to that college recruiting in a minute. Um, you're going to be a blogger at SHRM. I want to get, I want to get this in since it's supposed to be about the SHRM blogging. You've done this before, um, if I remember correctly. I think you've done it several times with SHRM, right? Uh, informally. 
Um, yeah. Informal. Okay. I've done. Okay. Yes. Um, I've I've worked. Um, you know, or been fortunate enough to be sort of one of those people that that Sherm has um, provided like a press pass, and so I would yep. you know come to the conference and tweet and blog and whatever. Um, I think it's couple years, and they're uh, maybe it's just that they're new people or something, but it seems to be much much more formalized um, than yeah. in years past, and. Um, it's great. I mean, they, I think they've done a really great job, and they're really building community amongst the bloggers, too, which I think is going to lead to much more content and much better content, just like exactly like this. Yeah, that's kind of the purpose of doing these shows is for me to meet people I haven't met before and to help spread the word, and, and, and it, it saves me from having to write a lot. I can talk, so I, I love that, and, and it's personal, you know, and it can be other people can join in on this conversation. So, um, so I, this is one of the questions I've asked all the bloggers, Steve, and there's, there's actually two parts to it. One is, uh, since I know it's not your first time at Sherm National, like what are your tips just for, you know, people coming, whether they're a blogger or not, give us like two or three of your high, high you know, besides comfortable shoes, we've got that one covered on every show. So what else should <laughs> people do to kind of hack Sherm 18 as an attendee? Yeah, so uh, let me start off with one that you should not do. And, and that is do not go to the exhibit hall with the goal of obtaining as many tchotchkes as you can um, <laughs> for yourself or for your kids. Um, we've, years ago, we exhibited um, at the Sherm National Conference, found that it wasn't really our audience, and so don't do that anymore. Um, I've spoken a few times at, at Sherm National and at Sherm um, Talent Acquisition, and I would say that um, you know, as a general rule, the better the giveaway at the booth, the less that company has to actually offer you. You know, if they've got to entice you with puppies and um, really great giveaways, there's a really good chance that they've got very little that's actually going to be of interest to you. So hmm. don't get distracted. Now, I can specifically think of one booth from, uh, that I visited, I think, a couple of years ago um, that, the, in, in fairness to them, I'm not going to identify them or even what the giveaway was because it was so unusual. Maybe they want to do it again. Um, but their giveaway was really, really good. Um, and, but more importantly, so was their message, so was their product. Um, and so, but what I, what I've just found is that in general, sort of the, the more they have to market themselves, the less they have to market about, um, at, at, in expo halls. And that's not just a Sherm thing. I think that's a trade show thing in general. So, you know, don't pick up some kind of tchotchke if it isn't meaningful to you. It's going to end up in a landfill it's going to end up causing that organization to go and buy more of them next year. It's just, it's incredibly wasteful. If the tchotchke <laughs> is something that's useful, awesome, go for it. Another thing is, especially for first timers or people who felt like they didn't do it right, say last year, is don't try to do everything. The show is, it's incredibly big. Um, and it's like, there's so much for everyone it's not designed to be everything for anybody. Like no one person can even hope to come close to everything. It's, it's like some Microsoft products. No one uses every feature in Microsoft Word. You're not supposed to. 
You're supposed to pick the features that really matter to you and get really good at that. So, you know, if you're really into payroll and benefits, then for God's sake, don't go to a university relations presentation. Focus on payroll and benefits. Um, so, you know, focus, focus, focus um, is, is just an absolute key. Another suggestion that I always fail at is to budget in time. Literally put it onto your calendar to do networking, to just do kind of nothing. Don't be in a session. Don't be walking the exhibit hall. Instead, if there's a coffee break or a lunch break or something like that, go to a cocktail table and have coffee or sit down at a table where there are eight other people and meet people. Uh, if you sit down, if you're at all like me and you sit down at a table of eight people, I guarantee you're going to walk away from there finding one or two new people that you're going to learn that you're going to learn a heck of a lot from maybe you do business from them maybe they're going to be your next boss or your next employee but you're going to probably find a real good connection and i think sherm is phenomenal for that is 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 establishing connections whether you're an extrovert or an introvert there are lots of opportunities for both and and then the second part of that is as far as far as being a blogger um, this year, what what is what what's your focus going to be, and what do you hope to get done in terms of your blogging and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so most of my efforts on the on the blogging side are going to be ahead of the event. Um, the folks at Sherm have asked us to do that. Um, my guess is because it helps sell tickets for this year, and that's cool. There, that's kind of um, that's part of of what they want us out there for. They also want us out there. Um, to be helping spread the news. That's part of their mission. It's not just about selling mm-hmm. tickets. It's also about bettering the HR community. And so, you know, if they can get a whole bunch of smaller trumpets out there passing along anecdotes, stories, information, um, that's just going to help spread that that content or that information, whether or not there's a ticket sold. So um, I've been talking to a number of employers, vendors, um, third-party recruiters, et cetera, to try to um, learn more about what they're seeing in the world of, of college and university recruiting, um, what's new, what's different, what's changing, uh, so that we at College Recruiter can do a better job, but also I can help spread that word. Um, and, um, and definitely there, there's, some, there's some, some, some real changes that seem to be afoot. Yeah, um, you sent me a you sent me a note, um, and and basically I'm I'm not going to read it, but that 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 one of the things you wanted to discuss was a rapidly increasing uh, trend where employees seem to be moving away or even abandoning their on-campus recruiting efforts to go virtual through all the tools that are out there. And I, you said you wanted my thoughts on that. My thoughts were, wow, I didn't know that was happening, but it makes total sense. Um, but, but maybe you could kind of explain a bit of what you're seeing there. Yeah, so some, some of the world's um, most respected um, brands or organizations in the college and university space, um, organizations like Ernst & Young, um, Amazon, um, Goldman Sachs, uh, USAA, they over the last few years have started to do a lot of research not into where do we get our hires from in, in the college and university relations space, 
and not even what, what's our cost per hire. But if you look five, ten years out, who are our most productive employees and where do they come from? So if you were to sit down and say, look at your 2017 data for your sales team, your developers, your customer service staff, which one of those are the best? Where did we get them from? Um, and what these organizations are starting to find is that if at least those that are hired through college recruiting programs, the most productive employees are not those that came from the most elite schools, the schools with the best brands. Um, and in many cases, in, in sort of more technical fields, like say web development, they're not even often employees that had computer science degrees. Um, so, well, what it's, yeah, so what it seems to be is that longevity is better amongst those who came from second or even third tier schools. The, the more elite the school, the more likely it is that you're going to job hop, that you're going to leave your first employer after you know, six months, a year, two years. If you did not go to a school that was as elite, you are far more likely to stay at that employer for five, 10 years. That makes you far more productive. That makes the ROI far better for employers recruiting from third, uh, second and third tier school. And also employers like Lockheed Martin have found that, that when they um, um, source candidates online, they tend to be more productive than similar candidates that they hire through on-campus recruiting um, and again, it comes down in large part to longevity. Interesting. Um, we have about four minutes left, Stephen. Our guest is, this is Mike Vandervoort, our guest, for those who have been listening for the last 26 minutes or so and don't know, our guest is Steve, Stephen Rothberg from Career Recruiters. Um, Stephen, I guess that, that begs a question in my head. Um, I don't know if you can answer it quickly or not. What is today's college recruit, how, how, you know, how does an employer reach them and what, what's their expectation for, you know, how do they contact employers? I mean, all job boards, all directly through portals online with bots. How does that part work? Sure. It's, it's college recruiter, um, not, not career recruiter. I, I don't know who Sorry. those people are. I, yeah, no, 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 no problem at all. So, you know, to, in today's world, there's, at the, at the better funded schools, the, the Big Ten schools, Ivy League, et cetera, their career service offices are great. They're well-staffed. They're well-equipped. The interview rooms are great. The people who work there are great. They have the right funding, training, support, et cetera. Um, but then you get out of that maybe top 50 or 100, and you start looking at the other 7,300 schools in the country, and they are woefully underfunded, woefully understaffed. And so the students and recent grads at those schools, they have to basically go around career services because there isn't much of a career service office to speak of, and they go directly to the employer. And that means going through job boards to a lesser extent um, social media. By the way, LinkedIn is a job board, just in case anybody is confused about that. Um, walks like a duck and talks like a duck. It is a duck. Uh, you can post jobs there and you can search resumes. It's a job board, folks. Um, and they also go, of course, directly to employers' career sites. Um, 
The whole Google for Jobs initiative, which kicked off last June, has made Google um, a great resource for candidates finding job postings. Before, Google was a great place for candidates to find career-related information, maybe even to find your company's website. But now they're going to Google and they're much better able to find postings. And sometimes they'll take the candidate to a job board, like an, like an Indeed, like a LinkedIn, like a college recruiter. And sometimes they'll take you the candidate rate to the employer's ATS. Okay. Is Facebook a job board yet, or will it ever be if it's not? Uh, Facebook has a job board feature on it um, in basically part of Facebook Marketplace, um, but I don't view Facebook as being a job board. Um, I do view it as having, um, as part of its offerings, job board functionality. Um, what I've been hearing about Facebook is that it's working very well for very small employers who want to hire very local candidates. So think like a Subway franchisee who wants to hire a sandwich artist um, from you know, yep. somebody who lives within five blocks of, of the restaurant. It's working horribly, from what I've heard, um, for hiring professional staff. Um, we, we we have less than a minute, and I have a bunch more questions, but we're going to have to cut it short. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Stephen. And just, just as we wind up, if you could just tell people where they could find your website, where they could find you on Twitter, that kind of stuff, before we get out of here. Yeah, no sweat. So I'm Stephen Rothberg. Um, you can find me on Twitter at S-T-E-V-E-N-R-O-T-H-B, as in Bravo, E-R-G. Um, or go to collegerecruiter.com. Um, my email is stephen at collegerecruiter.com, and happy to answer any follow-up questions that anybody may have. Thanks for being on the show, Stephen. I think we're about. We're, I think our stream ran out, but listen, it was great to talk to you, and uh, I'll see you in uh, Chicago in June. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Take care.